Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Kirk Cousins cuts open a vein yesterday at his presser and the biggest what-ifs from the Vikings draft. I'm Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings, and I skip voluntary workouts every day. I'm Arif Hassan with Pro Football Network. I'm really excited for Sam to tell me what's happened in the Vikings world. Why would I pay attention to that? I will tell you, Arif, coming up on today's Minnesota Football Party. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Happy Thursday. It's the Minnesota Football Party on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. I'm Sam Ekstrom covering the Vikings here at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network. Find him on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. And Luke Braun, Lockdown Vikings host, Lockdown Vikings postcast as well. He's at Luke Braun NFL. Plenty to get to today. We are still putting a bow in the Minnesota Vikings draft. I want to dive into some what ifs that Vikings fans might have from that draft. We got injury updates yesterday from Brian O'Neill, Caleb Evans, and Andrew Booth Jr. We'll get into their comments as well as Kirk Cousins' comments as he discussed his non-contract or lack thereof uh, in yesterday's press conference. But we begin the show with an early appearance from Ron Johnson right after I remind folks that we are brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more at fanduel.com slash locked on get started today subscribe to locked on sports minnesota on uh youtube find us free and available wherever you get your podcasts ron johnson makes an early appearance on today's minnesota football party ron good morning morning how's it going fellas hey good good let me jump in with this um otas are coming up and jordan addison Mm-hmm. doesn't know the offense yet, right? He's just yep. been probably given the playbook. He's been tossed into this. Meanwhile, everyone else around him basically knows the framework, right? Like mm-hmm. all the other starters kind of understand what they're doing. So as a receiver, how does Jordan Addison get integrated? How does he be a part of this um, while he's so far behind schematically? Well, I mean, rookie minicamp, they're going to they're going to pour it into him because like there are certain parts of the offense. And honestly, going through uh, OTAs, minicamp, you don't divulge your entire offense anyway, because you don't know who's going to get cut, who you might trade. So you kind of put together bits and pieces. You don't throw every you know, you don't throw, you don't baptize them into the fire. Uh, you kind of spoon feed them like a baby. And that's that's what it is for a rookie. You're, you're starting off as an infant. And just like any parent, you spoon feed them. So they're going to start off really basic, really basic run stuff, really basic pass stuff. You're not going to see a ton of checks. You're not going to see a ton of motions and shifts. They're not going to get to that. So honestly, as a receiver, uh, if Justin's going to be the X and he's going to be the Z and then they're going to put, you know, depending on who goes in the slot, 
I think he's going to start off as wide receiver three anyway. Like KJ Osborne is going to come out as wide receiver two to start it off, just like Justin Jefferson is a first round pick uh, who was behind Adam Thielen and BC Johnson. So it's going to be the same type of formula, even though there's a different coaching staff. It's the same formula in the NFL, and I think if you know you have a, a wide receiver, too, that can get you through early parts of training camp and games, you do it. And I know K.J. Osborne can do that, and then you work Jordan Addison in. Now, if he earns a spot as wide receiver, too, then he's going to have to earn it, but he's not going to be given the keys to the castle. And, and so I don't think it's going to be an issue uh, trying to work up to it. You know, in, in routes, there's only nine routes you can run, and that's or ten if you want to call zero a route, but you got ten routes you can run. Now, there's – bits and pieces within those routes, but there's only 10 routes. And so other than that, it's just learning where those routes fit in the concept. If there's a dig on the backside, there's a big post on the front side. That stuff is football one-on-one, so I don't think he'll have a problem. I just know they're going to spoon-feed him early. Yeah, and one more on that. Kirk Cousins and his offensive teammates have all been very confident that having an extra year in the system is going to make everything a little smoother. Do you think it's that simple? Um, or do you think that it also requires Kevin O'Connell to sort of understand his own scheme better and how he wants to sequence plays and, and draw things up? Yeah, well, for Kirk saying that, you know, you have to think about how many office coordinators he has had to go through and learn in, in the system and for this off the Vikings offense period, uh, going back to Mike Zimmer of how many different offensive coordinators were in this program. And so I think for Kirk, his thought is, well, this is year two. We're not building. We're not creating. We're just re-going over it again and getting back into the flow of it. So I think the verbiage, uh, the play scheming, as far as how you're going to get to the plays you want to get to, meaning how you set them up, whether you pass to run or run to pass, that's going to be up to Kevin O'Connell week one. Uh, right now, it's just going to be literally go out there, okay, if they call it one-on-one, which is hitch-hitch, and then the middle guy has either hook or some type of uh, shallow hookup, you know, middle-of-the-field type route for the tight end. That's all they're going to do. They're going to run hitches. They're going to run slants. They're going to run quick outs. Like they're going to keep it very basic early on. They're going to run curls. They're going to run deep outs. They're going to run deep comebacks. I mean, it's not going to be super, super intricate early on, especially for the rookies. Um, but for Kirk, yeah, he's saying, you know what? We we don't have to watch 50 million DVDs of the Rams offense anymore. We now have our offense. We can go back and watch our tape. We can watch our cutups. And so I think that's what Kirk's getting at is last year, they were watching a ton of Rams film. Like, that's all Kevin O'Connell had. The Vikings didn't have an identity, so he was building it. Now in year two, yeah, they have an identity. They know what they were last year, and now it's just figuring out what they're going to be. Ron? I want to talk a little bit about the Gophers. Uh, A bunch of Gophers got drafted. A bunch of Gophers ended up signing undrafted free agent deals, get minicamp invites and stuff. What's your favorite landing spot for a former Gopher? Uh, I like the Saints for Jordan Houghton. I, I'm not going to lie. Like You look at the Saints' defense and, and what they've been and, and what that organization is going to be about now. Um, I like that. I mean, they have a quarterback as well, you know, and Derek Carr. So that team is built like to make a run. And I think Jordan Houghton playing safety, uh, you know, coming from this Minnesota scheme, you look at Antoine Winfield Jr., you look at Tyler Newbin, uh, you look at the DB, you know, Benjamin St. Juice. The DBs of past uh, and present look very bright for the Golden Gophers. And so I think that the the Saints, for me, that's a, that's a really – I mean, John Michael Schmidt was an easy one. That's an easy one to say the Giants uh, because of, you know, how that offense is built. But I think the secret one is Jordan Howe. Jordan Howe – uh, the Saints is going to be a, a nice sneaky pick for him, and he's a smart kid that's willing to play special teams, so I'm looking forward to it. One of the things, I mean, Sam just mentioned, like, rookie minicamp um, for Jordan Addison, but one of the things that always kind of fascinates me is that 
at least traditionally under the Spielman era, the Vikings always seemed to find someone that they wanted to sign out of rookie minicamp. They usually cut a UDFA to bring that guy in. And that guy has uh, better odds than most UDFAs to make the roster, right? He already went through one cut. Statistically, that guy has better odds than most UDFAs. But, you know, all of us have watched, you know, rookie minicamp all the way from, you know, the sideline. And it does not look like easy to evaluate football. It does not look like we're getting a lot of information about these guys. So how do teams get the information they need from rookie minicamp when the practices are so sparse and the competition they're up against is so light compared to what they'll see in training camp? Yeah, honestly, it's tough. I mean, you, you have to like, that's why scouts are hired. Um, each scout has a job. Each guy has a role. Some guys are better than others. Um, but it's watching body movement. It's watching uh, footwork. It's going and it's it's really film. Like you're not gonna see. I mean, you, on the field, you get a feel for who that person is face to face, seeing them up close. Because um, you see the jokes about the receiver from Tennessee. You know, when the Dallas Cowboys coach saw him, he's like, "Man, look at your body." You know, like like I thought you was gonna be better than this. You know, he was expecting DK Metcalf, and and, and he and he got uh, Eddie Murphy. Uh, you know, I don't know what he was, you know, like it just, or he got Drake, you know, like he got, you know, he was like, I was expecting DK Metcalf and I got Drake the rapper, like, and, and the receiver was like, man, but I still can run routes and I'm fast, you know, but you, you have to like take out your mindset of what you think a receiver should look like during training camp or what a linebacker should look like. Um, receivers and DBs are kind of easy to evaluate with pads off. Uh, running backs and linemen are going to be the toughest. And that's why those guys are usually training camp guys. And you want to see them with the pads on. Uh, Cause some guys are, are, they call them t-shirt warriors. And then when they put their pads on, you know, they, they, they fall apart. And so I think that's the biggest thing is when you're, when you're watching the guys, the film, you can see how he moves. Does he recognize coverage? Is he running the right route? Cause you know, the, the coaches are going to say, Hey, here's the play, what it should look like. What, you know, here's what he did wrong. And they're pointing out the misassignments. Cause now when I was playing or sorry, when I was coaching, we had X's and O's. I don't know what they use now. Uh, within that tablet, but I know you can make notes. So every play, you can type in a note for the next coach is watching and say, oh, watch so-and-so what he does here. Like, this is not right. Or watch so-and-so, he does this really well. Um, so all that combined, which is why coaches are staying at 9, 10 p.m., is, is how they do it. There's no real right answer. There's no rhyme or reason. Uh, there's some guys that get cut by teams and then go to other teams and ball out. So uh, I don't think there's an exact science to it. it. It's honestly like it's one of the – that's why it's one of the toughest – things to do basketball that's easy to evaluate you can watch a guy put the ball in the basket football baseball same thing you can watch a guy hit home runs and, and throw guys out and, and and how their footwork works on the ground ball football without actually getting hit and being in being in the situation you'll never really know and so that's why it is one of the toughest sports to evaluate ron do you have any good welcome to the nfl moments from your rookie mini camp otas uh well, I mean, I was a part of the 32 rookies that got flown out to California. Uh, so myself, Julius Peppers, uh, Roy Williams, uh, Mike Williams, TJ Duckett, Joey Harrington, David Carr. Uh, you know, all 32 of us were flown out. We're Antoine Randall. So we were flown out to L.A. Uh, to hang out with each other for, you know, I don't know, three or four days. They have video cameras and everything following us. And we had played, you know, we did the Madden Challenge. And uh, at the Madden Challenge, you know, the rookies, we were there, but they had – I don't even remember who it was, but it was like uh, I think it was like Rosalind Sanchez and Mario Lopez or something. But they were like the hosts. Um, so I, I would say that was one cool moment kind of Deshaun Foster, because Deshaun Foster, you know, saying we had him on the show. He talked about that, about uh, he didn't realize the camera they gave him was a live camera that was going to actually be on the show uh, because he might have quite possibly been the worst cameraman we've ever seen. 
uh like halfway through the interview he's dropping the camera he's like walking and like having it swinging not realizing it was like a live camera that it, and i think they thought it was funny so they put it in the show and they actually put the notes on our like it's on vhs now so unfortunately i gotta figure out how to put it on digital or dvd but it's on vhs and so in the edit that came on espn they put like they literally i think put like he has no idea he's a cameraman right now like because he was walking down the field <laughs> and he's supposed to be shooting himself walking down like walk you know shooting the uh rose bowl field and he's like just swinging the camera in his hand like you know like a purse and we're like you know, we went back and watched it. We're like, dude, what were you doing? He's like, I don't know. They, they just told me to hold the camera and talk about my run against USC in the Rose Bowl. Um, but, you know, like that was cool to, to see all that and meet all those guys. Uh, as far as being on the team with the Ravens, I think uh, one of my my fondest moments, and Javen Hunter was a part of that. He talked about that, was uh, just watching us all bond in the hotel, having Ray Lewis, uh, you know, stop by our room to kind of let Javen know, like, you got one more time or and you're getting hazed, which he ended up getting hazed because he didn't listen. Um, and, and then I'd say my first game, you know, I caught a touchdown, I think against the jets. And so, um, like that was cool. Kind of like coming out the gate to catch a touchdown in my first preseason game mm-hmm. was kind of like, okay, this is, this is, you know, I should be here. And so like all of that together was kind of my, Hey, rookie, you're in the NFL, uh, moment all together. Cause it was just, it was like going from meeting all the rookies going to mini camp and meeting Ray Lewis and, and, you know, being, you know, watching that defense work and then getting to our first game. And just seeing how it all comes together, I think it was like a, it was a cool moment overall. Yeah, and speaking of rookie receivers, we had Thayer Thomas, the UDFA, on your show yesterday. Great interview with him. Seems like a good dude. What was your biggest takeaway from that sit down with him? Uh, you know, like I, I truly believe, like the one, like I like how he said the culture, like the culture of Kevin O'Connell and, and the Vikings. Why he picked the Vikings? He said he wanted to go somewhere where somebody wanted him because he said a lot of teams were like, "Oh, we can bring you as a punt returner. Oh, we can bring you as a punt returner." Because he has a good punt returner. We watched the film. He's very solid. Uh, he's six feet, so he's not a small guy. So he can break tackles, um, decent speed, but he's he's a smart uh, player. And so a lot of people were just kept saying, "Punt return, punt return, punt return. We'll bring you as a punt returner and give you a shot." And he said, Kevin O'Connell, you know, when they met with him, like, hey, we see a spot for you in this offense possibly. And if you think about uh, Jordan Addison, K.J. Osborne, Justin Jefferson, those three are locked. After that, we're going to have – this is going to be fun because you're going to have Malik Knowles. You're going to have Thayer Thomas. You're going to have Jalen Naylor. Like, they're all going to – Jalen Rager, which, you know, who knows where he's going to be with his salary if they decide to keep him or not. But – it's going to be a fight for wide receiver four. And, and I think that's what we all want to see at training camp. We we don't want to go into it with everybody that's playing. We know these five receivers are making the team, which is fun to do. But, you know, it's it's always fun to have a battle. And so we'll get to see, you know, like quarter two of the preseason games and then quarter three and four of the last preseason game where Thayer Thomas and Malik knows and all those guys are p- playing uh, with jaron hall like that's gonna be mm-hmm. you know kind of the the thing like hey what what, what do they have and and if not this year maybe maybe he goes on practice squad but then the next year he gets a shot he could i could see him being like not cooper cup as far as usage because we know that's justin jefferson but cooper cup as far as how he runs routes like he said he said i always i always have a way to get open and i like that like a guy that says it like i can find a way to get open that doesn't mean i'm fast that doesn't mean I'm the best at it. That just means I'm smart enough to understand what coverage you're running, where your leverage is at, and I'm going to use it against you to get open. And so I like how he says that because that's that's a guy you can easily put in the slot because if you think about Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, you know, running around with KJ Osborne, if you go four wides, who's going to get forgotten? Probably one of the guys who makes wide receiver four. And if, if Thayer Thomas is a guy that's consistent, can catch the ball, uh, I like his chances, but he's going to have a fight. He's going to have a fight because Jalen Naylor has a leg up on him. 
Uh, and then, you know, him and Malik knows are coming in as, as guys that have to earn the right to be on the team or be on the practice squad. He, you know, we also talked about his relationships with uh, Garrett Bradbury and how uh, Bradbury was a, was a leader and a captain at NC State. And then he talked about, um, you know, just having that relationship and even talking to him. You know, I like the fact that he said, Garrett Bradbury said, you know, the culture here is great. And, you know, because not to throw salt on the wounds, I don't know if Garrett Bradbury would have said that if this was a couple years ago. You know, now to say, like, man, it's a great culture. You're just somewhere you want to be. And he said he had already made his mind up when he knew, like, in day three, he might not get drafted. Him and his agent started looking at, at landing spots, and the Vikings uh, were one of them. So, you know, I, I think it's fun, and we're going to get to see him, you know, live and in living color. Yeah, it's a great interview. Check that out on the Ron Johnson Show on Locked on Sports Minnesota. You had Terrell Smith, the Bears draft pick on last week. You got Tyler Newbin coming up next week. Great guests, the Ron Johnson Show, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, roundtable on Friday, and he appears with us on Thursdays on the Minnesota Football Party at 3RonJohnson on Twitter. Thanks, Ron. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's going to be a loaded, like, May-June because uh, Merrill Hodge just confirmed he's going to come on. Uh, I told him we're going to get him on end of May, kind of June-ish, so – Merrill Hodge, uh, you know, Steelers, you know, all-time running back, but some great takes on the draft. And I already kind of gave him a heads up of what I'm looking for. So I'm, I'm letting him get his his uh, tickle of ivories, get his his, his uh, takes together, just in case freezing cold takes comes back and tries to, you know, show a <laughs> clip of him doing it again. Hopefully it's on our show. <laughs> Hopefully. We'll make sure that we capture it. Thanks a lot, Ron. We appreciate your time. All right, appreciate it. Before we get into Kirk Cousins' comments yesterday – about his contract status. I'll tell you that we are brought to you by Built Bar, a delicious snack without the sugar and calories. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. You got to try these Built Bars that are healthy and still taste amazing with 100% real dark chocolate flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. I don't know how they've nailed it with these amazing macros, but they have four grams of sugar, 17 grams of protein to fuel you. Head to your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Go to the pharmacy section. Pick up the four-bar box or the 13-bar box on these specialty flavors. Also available at Built.com where you can order online. Go head to the store. Get yourself a box of Built Bars today. You can thank me later. Kirk Cousins, guys, yesterday was very honest at the Vikings facility. He talked about his contract status, and he uh, went all the way back to high school. He said that this is my story. The Holland Sentinel in high school, they doubted me. Um, at Michigan State, the student newspaper, they doubted me. Um, Washington football team, they doubted me. They wouldn't give me a new contract three years in a row. And now he's back in the same situation. Arif Hassan. Your expectations for Kirk with this contract hanging over his head. Do you think, as he says, that it will be sort of a fuel or a catalyst for him? Uh, I think so. Um, most of the time when you see an NFL player saying, ah, they doubted me in high school, they doubted me in college, you know, they're doubting me again in the NFL by not giving me an extension. Most of the time, I wouldn't say they're necessarily fabricating it, but because they might actually believe it. But most of the time, it's difficult for us to believe it. But here he's right. <laughs> like he was <laughs> doubted in high school. That absolutely was true. He was doubted. He he didn't get very many Division One offers. In fact, he barely got that Michigan State offer. Uh, and it was just like an errant like quarterback coach, and they were going to retract it. But he ended up getting that offer in part, I think, because like Nick Foles transferred. I forget the full story. Um, but you know, they doubted him at Michigan State. He ended up winning the job. They 
definitely doubted him in Washington. That's really well documented, right? I don't know if um, if most of the Vikings tenure, the Vikings have doubted him. But, you know, our understanding of the extension that Cousins' team offered to the Vikings was fairly reasonable from like a quarterback standpoint, right? And the Vikings chose not to do it. And I think it's fair to say that most of us expect them to move on from Kirk Cousins, you know, next year. So fair enough, right? Um, whether or not that that's going to be a fuel for him, I don't know because like I just mentioned, this is the normal state for Kirk Cousins. So it's not as if this is going to be extra motivation. Right, it's not different the t- yeah. Right, exactly, right. And so it's not extra motivation because he's always had this in his pocket, right? Like, it, and, and athletes are very good at this, right? Like Aaron Rodgers has held on to the fact that he was drafted 24th or 25th or whatever it was forever. Tom Brady has held on to the fact that like six quarterbacks went ahead of him or whatever forever right they're very good at holding on to this and and using it and cousins has the benefit of it like kind of consistently happening to him and so it like it gives him that ability i think to 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 like really dig into that um based off of like what he said in his presser i mean at least publicly he's got a fairly good attitude about it who knows what he thinks like privately but you know when he says like you know most of the guys in the on the in the locker room don't have like long term <laughs> security like i'm one enough. of the guys yeah, yeah one of the yeah <laughs> you know me i'm one of you right? 155 million dollars i'm one of the guys yeah we all have job security concerns right <laughs> yeah, so so you know he's 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 like you know he's 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 approaching it probably the right way in that in the NFL, nothing is guaranteed, et cetera, et cetera, and so on. So is it extra motivation? Not more than usual. Is it genuine? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a very realistic possibility that the Vikings are put in a bind here. And that's what Kirk Cousins does best. He puts his employers (laughs) in a bind. Not quite elite enough to to make it an easy decision and certainly not bad enough to make it an easy decision he's right there like just beyond the middle on the good side bordering on great and uh i could very well see an improvement in cousins statistically a reduction in wins for the team um and the defense being the easy scapegoat once again luke braun for sure i I think what's interesting about this is the the way that he is talking about it and saying, well, I, I kind of have to earn my place again, which is the line he always defaults to when it's time to, you know, to, to talk contract is, well, I, you know, I got to earn it. And I, and I understand that. And it's it's very reasonable. But I, what I find interesting about that is it doesn't sound like a guy who expects there to be a contract extension like soon, like before he plays again. Right. Like, it so, sounds yeah, like, yeah, like he's he he's expecting. Yep. Yeah. Like he's expecting the season to really be the decision. There's been a lot of speculation about the Vikings giving Kirk an extra year, or giving Kirk an extra extension before the season begins. But it feels like Kirk himself does not expect that. I, I still have no idea what's going to happen, but that's that's what's been most interesting to me about that. But otherwise, yeah, he's just kind of saying the line he always says when it's time to be asked, hey, are you worried that you're not signed to a deal? And he just kind of has to go back to the same thing he got asked all the way back to Washington when that was happening. Yeah, yes, indeed. Um, Kirk Cousins, and we talked about this with Ron. I do think that there's value in second year in the system. Um, Although I wouldn't say that like in the Kubiak scheme, granted the play callers were different, 
But big picture schematically, it was pretty similar. I don't know if there was a massive step up for him in year two of that. Um, and again, it is hard because he hasn't had that similar play caller year in, year out. You know, there, there's a lot of continuity on the offensive side of the ball. There really is. I think if the offensive line takes a step forward, you know, with basically everybody back, I think that could help him. Um, I think that if Jordan Addison comes out and I, I think it's realistic that he could be more effective than Adam Thielen as well. And I posed this question to Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman. Knowing now what we know, Jordan Addison is a Viking and Adam Thielen costs what? $8 million to, to per year at Carolina. Would you rather have had Adam Thielen for like a one-year deal at eight or Jordan Addison's rookie contract? Which would you have taken? Arif? I mean, straight up, it's not really much of a question for me. I would take Jordan Addison, but the issue is that the cost is a first round pick. It's not really the cost of the rookie contract. So if I would rather have Adam Thielen and the next best potential player that they could have picked in the first round pick versus Jordan and versus the, the status quo, I might take that one. And, you know, I'm happy to eat my words. Jordan Addison turns out to be as good as, you know, people say that he's going to be fine. Great. But like, what if Deontay Banks turns out to be as good? I mean, he went the very next pick and I've been talking about, yeah. you know, for months. Right. Um, you know, Love if it. he turns out to be as good as, as I project him to be, you know, I think it's what for the Giants. Right. Then that becomes a pretty interesting question. You know, maybe they should have taken him and then uh, they get they avoid uh, the Makai Blackman pick in the third round and maybe take, you know, a receiver there. Uh, I forget, you know, who is available, but, you know, you know, that that's that that's an interesting conversation. Right. Um, so in that world, you know, if they get Adam Thielen for eight million dollars, grab a cornerback in the first round and a different receiver in the third round, you know, maybe I prefer that. Right. Um, but, you know. I, I'm I'm super happy to eat my words when it comes to to Jordan Addison if that happens. Um, and I will say too that taking receiver with that 102nd pick maybe wasn't like a super easy decision, and that's probably why they did it early because the three receivers taken most directly after uh, the Blackman pick were Darius Davis, uh, Charlie Jones, and Tyler Scott, none of whom were particularly ballyhooed going into this draft. I like uh, Tyler Luke Scott. Yeah, okay, fair enough. But also, they um, might have taken a receiver at the 87th pick or whatever they had. And let's see, who could they have had there? I, I think if you want to if you want to do like the most exciting name that got taken, I would say Marvin Mims is probably the guy. I was look, doing the oh, same hey. thing before. Dude, Deontay Banks, Marvin Mims uh, combination would be yeah. an all-hype team. Again, no idea if they'll be any good. But man, would it be easy to top yeah. those two up? Where did Mims go? I'm not seeing his his name here. Uh, back of the second round or something like that. Okay, back of the second. Oh, so they okay, would have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 63rd pick. So so Braun, one year of Thielen plus Banks or Addison, and you save the Thielen money. Which alternative or which option would you take? So for me, it would have been Porter, but that's neither here nor there because it's the same <laughs> deal of of who knows. Um, we'll talk about that in draft what ifs coming up on the Minnesota football. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh. It's super easy to do this. And like, especially as these players turn out and we find out more about who's good and who isn't, it's super easy to do this and imagine they took all the good players, but they could like just as easily, you know, if Jordan Addison turns out to be good, they could just as easily go and, you know, take some corner that then and say, look, we got a corner. And then that corner turns out to be bad. And we wish we would have gotten Addison. Right. Um, so I think I'm going to go with the, the, the Addison side of it 
just because it's really I, I like it's really easy for me to daydream and say, man, they could have got Joey Porter and then they could have got this guy and then that would have been super awesome. And it kind of has just as good of a chance to not work out. But I guess I, I, just as good of a chance to not work out. Plus, Thielen is better. So maybe I'll go with that. See? It sounds like uh, your biggest draft, what if, Luke Braun, is not taking Joey Porter. Um, would that yes. be your number one? Or do you have others as we kick off our Vikings draft? Uh, what if segment? Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Ha- you know, no, it's what if they caved and did the gigantic, probably unreasonable trade up for Anthony Richardson up to three. Things were in the works. What if they actually pulled it off? That's the so, big what uh, if. Three first round picks, including obviously this year's two uh, two second round picks. That is that enough? Uh, maybe. I don't even know pro- if those, probably would have been around. Math that. works out. Yeah, it'd be, but uh, close. But certainly that, that would have been close. And Kevin O'Connell's firstborn and his home. Right. Uh, okay. which obviously that you'd have to keep now that we're in and that'd be worth it. Yeah. Um, that would be exciting. I I don't really uh, I don't know if it's a good idea, but I would very much enjoy covering the team in that scenario. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just something to like file away like four years from now, look back at the first and second round picks and go, would I trade these six players for Anthony Okay, Richardson? so uh, of note though is that we just had this conversation a couple years ago about Justin Fields, right? The Vikings were yeah. on that Courtney Cronin reported. The Vikings were about to trade up for Justin Fields and they just weren't going to budge on like the back end portion of that uh of that equation. And if Fields turns like maybe if Fields turns out, you know, uh, this year it's going to be kind of make or break on that question. Um, that's going to be like a very interesting question to have to resolve. Um, but man, we, ju- we just saw eases yeah. that one a little bit. It's yeah. like, all right, at least yeah. we got like a really good player, right? Yeah, it could yeah, be yeah. one thing. Yeah, in, you know, when it's when you're going, God, they could have had Lamar Jackson. They picked Mike Hughes. He's not even on the team by the end of this rookie deal. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it 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 certainly is a salve for that to be that pick to be Christian Derrissaw, and then I guess you would say like Lewis Seen and I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, by the time you're picking Lewis Seen, you're probably at that point because you don't have Derrissaw picking an offensive lineman. So there's like you know all of yeah, these yeah. you know right, which makes it hard to do. Yeah, but you know, we'll just imagine that they pick the next best guy. Who cares? It feels like the Vikings will certainly be linked to Deontay Banks because of the adjacency of the Addison and Banks picks, probably Joey Porter Jr. because it was a major position of need. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if the Vikings will be ruining not taking Mozzie Smith too much or, you know, Anton Harrison or even even the defensive lineman Murphy and Brezzy, who I liked both of them and or Nolan Smith as well. But I think that the Vikings will probably have that you know, regret if Deontay Banks turns out to be a star, if Joey Porter Jr. turns out to be a star. Um, certainly I, the, tra- so on the, the trade up. Go ahead. On the Joey Porter front, it just feels like if he turns out to be a star, it's that's the one that I think uh, people will latch on to more than if Deontay Banks turns out to be a star. And part of that's because, like, shouldn't it be obvious that someone named Joey Porter would turn out to be good at football? Like it, it just like feels like, yeah, yeah that, uh, clearly that should have been the pick, right? Like, I, I think... Winfield seemed obvious too. <laughs> right, right. The league, I, th- I think the league had to collude 
to make sure that Joey Porter Jr. would be a stealer. I think that's, that's just a solid that everybody did for Pittsburgh. And I think that's wholesome. I don't know. The league doesn't do solids. <laughs> do you, do you hear, like, the report this morning that Bill Belichick uh, traded at cost to the Steelers specifically to screw the Jets? The league doesn't do solids. Wait, what? Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> the pettiness. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's. I love it. It's wonderful. You know, the Vikings will trade in division. Everyone agrees on a fair price. The Patriots, absolutely not. Anything in division comes at an extra cost, including myself. <laughs> what about um, regretting? Oh, I, I, I think Ringo is going to be another guy that gets compared quite a bit to Blackman because that's position for position. There's yeah. like four corners in that that like that yeah, went the, right at the top of day three and whichever yeah. one of them works out is going to be the one that gets compared. Yeah, I will. I will 100% pick and choose my uh, yeah. my regret matrix here. Right. We're going to cherry pick for sure. Yeah. Basically yeah. anyone in the fourth round, right? Like if anyone in the fourth round has moderate success, I think the uh, the Northwestern edge rusher at Adetamiwa uh, Adebaware. I think that he's going to be really good. Colts just killed the draft. Yeah, you nailed the Colts it. Colts didn't kill the draft. Did I nail it? I don't know. Colts and Sam 100% you did it. not. But can you, I do can agree. Can you give it to Colts. me for real? Uh, Eddie Tomoa Adewabare? I don't know. It sounds like what I said. Anyway. Um... <laughs> I respect it. But no, the, the Colts had a, a really wonderful draft. Um, uh, I was uh, I'm writing up this piece over at PFN about like late round rookies that could shine both on offense and defense. And it's like the Colts populate like a good chunk of the list on both sides of the ball, in part because I'm cheating and I'm using the consensus board. But like both Jalen Jones and Darius Rush were great picks. Uh, Ottawa Barre was a great pick. Uh, and who knows? Right. Because, you know, uh, steals are steals for a reason. They don't tend to work out as often as we think, but I don't have to care about that. It's May. So, uh, um, you know, uh, but, you know, from, uh, you know, the outside looking in, I think the Colts had a really wonderful draft and the Vikings had a lot of opportunities to grab those guys specifically. And Hey, if they grabbed Darius, like what? Cause Darius rush didn't go until uh, the fourth or fifth round. If they had grabbed Darius rush at the bottom of the third, like mm -hmm. we all have been happy with that. I can't even emphasize enough, like how many players the Colts took that we mentioned on this show and with like fondness, like Jalen, even down to Jalen Jones. I'm in pretty sure we, round. we profiled like, hey, the seventh round and we're like, this guy sounds really good. This could be a steal. Uh, <laughs> incredible. And Evan Hall, the local connection. I literally called his high school games. Um, Maple Grove came back from like, 18 down with two minutes left to win a playoff game and Evan Hall scored the winning touchdown and now he's like playing for the Colts that's crazy I, well, I want to say you score for Maple Grove we know you know you'll turn into a great NFL player correct that's the conclusion <laughs> I, I, I want to say with Blackman the, the fact that like we had didn't know about him isn't necessarily a knock on him as it's more of a knock on us like yep we're right. You know, that's, that's a me problem. I know I exactly have. what I need to know at all times. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, after going back and actually like watching him, I will say as critical as I was of, of Keely Ringo probably would have preferred Keely Ringo by that point in the draft. 
Um, and I think there's a couple other people that I would have preferred. I don't know. I, I would be wrong, but I wanted, that, I wanted out there on record that like as much of a hater as I was by one Oh two, it's different. <laughs> Uh, but it is it is funny to be like, yeah, I was a I was a, you know I was a huge critic because I didn't know much about him. Then I went back and watched him, and yeah, they should have picked the other guy. <laughs> yes, that is precisely my take. I watched him, and I went, ooh, oh no. We are creating bulletin board material for Blackman. Yeah, so yeah. if he, he succeeds, it's because of us. Exactly. Yeah. We're fueling I, the fire of doubted Vikings. If if Vikings players engage with my critical takes. That's a win. We love that. Bron, what is your best um, story of someone, player or adjacent, like family member, coach, trying to dunk on you for a take? Do you have any of those? Trying to dunk on me for a yeah. take. In um, KJ Osborne fashion. In KJ Osborne fashion. I don't know about, like, dunking on my takes because I'm usually a lot more lukewarm about them. I managed to dodge Chanjin Sullivan's name searching. He found a couple of nice tweets. Oh, he found a reef. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was he fun. found he found a couple of tweets of mine, but they I were like right, plays he made in way. camp. So yeah. let's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won that uh, one. I got there I think it was a player's dad DM'd me once really angrily. Yeah, but happens. didn't do it Darryl publicly. Slaughter? And I and yeah, I, don't I was about remember. to say, was it Daryl? Oh, yeah, the Sloat thing. The Kyle Sloater stuff. He he would chime in sometimes and, like, correct me on stuff that I would say about, like, trying to break down, like, a quarterback play, like a Kirk Cousins play or something like that, uh, which was actually really helpful. <laughs> this is Kyle like, or oh, Daryl? Yeah. No, Kyle. Darryl? Yeah. Oh, Kyle. He would, just, okay. like, he would just, like, pop in, you know? I mean, the breakers aren't in season, so. My, my best example still remains Adam Pacman Jones. Um, responding to my Adam yeah, Thielen story, yes. looking back on uh, joint practices with the Bengals when they basically ignored Thielen. 2014, oh. right? Right. And so this said, is before Thielen went off. This is, I, yeah, and it might have been a, a year or two later than that, but he still was not, yeah, he still had not done anything in the league. Yeah. And he said, yeah. we want to we go against some dogs. And um, there were fights in that camp, and it was crazy. So I wrote the story. I did not name. Adam Jones, Pac-Man Jones in the tweet. So he would have had to search Adam Thielen's name to find it. Talk about I, okay, living your, rent your free. Story, your story went around. I, I'm sure somebody shared it with him. I I, be. I bet he wasn't name searching Adam Thielen. Someone was like, hey man, did you do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, the dunking was all on Pac-Man. <laughs> 100 oh, yeah. he should never have this. responded what an l <laughs> yeah and then the vikings just torched the bengals that week yeah i mean absolutely destroyed them i can't remember if he was actively on the team at the time or if he was like i think he was gone um mighty but... been... what one of the corners that disrespected adam thielen was on the team at the time that's for mm -hmm. sure um yeah. i maybe pac-man was on the team uh, at the time but yeah i remember that story because it blew up back in in uh i still want to say it was 2014 mike zimmer's first year they did joint practices with the bengals right um and so which like if it was in 2015 that would work too because adam thielen didn't become you know adam thielen until 2015 until that season had actually started um so either of those years would make sense and i'm sure we could look it up but um i remember that story blowing up at the time 
you know, where mm. where like the cornerbacks just literally just get up out of line when Adam Thielen's turn is up. And it's like, man, that's come on. That's ridiculous. We, we didn't see any of that with like the the joint practices with the Jaguars or the Broncos, the 49ers, all wholesome, respectful fighting. One hundred percent. And I think, yeah, I think Thielen's instigating the fights now, actually. Now oh, he's been instigating the- fights for years now. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, Thielen. He's an instigator. Thielen's not messing around. Oh out yeah, there. look out, That's, Carolina. There was there was one reason I was like, everyone's connecting Adam Thielen uh, to the Patriots for you know the obvious reason, slot receiver. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that but, that reason. Yeah, that reason. <laughs> but it's like, I mean, not that this is predictive of anything, but Thielen fought with Bill Belichick a couple of times, like they on were, the sideline. Yeah, they in were a game. not like in buddies. that is so funny um nfl draft buzz newsletter uh authored by luke inman he's not on the show today he's off but you can still get the post draft reaction nfl draft buzz newsletter straight to your inbox locked on podcast.com slash newsletters um yesterday at the vikings facility andrew booth jr spoke caleb evans spoke about their respective recoveries in a nutshell Andrew Booth Jr., he's taking it easy. He doesn't want to commit to any timeline. He's just uh, being patient. He'll get back on the field as soon as possible. Caleb Evans, he says that he has been cleared. He was cleared, you know, around the end of last year. Um, And and he said that it might have been three concussions. It might have been two because one of them, he went in the protocol, but turned out that he was all right, but had a very reflective offseason. Talked about taking a vacation from social media. Um, spending more time with his family, thinking about what it means to to lead, uh, how he wants to play the game safer. Uh, bottom line, you've got two cornerbacks coming off injuries, different types of injuries. Andrew Booth and Caleb Evans. Let's assume they're health guys. Let's assume they stay healthy. Which one do you think has the inside track to be a starter on this team, Ron? Guy had the job last year, right? Who's ahead on the depth chart last year? That's Evans. I would say that that's the inside track and the, the onus is on Andrew Booth to, to, to beat him, to earn it back. Um, will he do that? Yeah, I don't know. That all comes down to camp. But I would say if we're talking like pole position, then I think Evans has the starting position on Booth if, if it comes down to those two. But it might be both of them, honestly. Yeah. Now, do, do we can we recall off the top of our heads exactly how the timeline worked here? Because was Evans thrust into duty after Booth had first been hurt, so, like so did what, did no. he get that that opportunity because there was he was else. listed on the week one depth chart above? He started at camp above the whole time. Like it was very clear that that he was um, above. Yes and no. If I'm maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, but yeah, Evans was listed ahead of him on the depth chart. It at the time it felt like a motivation ploy in camp. Um, but when it came yeah, to snaps on the field before Booth's first of many injuries. I believe Booth saw the field before Evans. And so he was earlier in the regular season rotation. And then Booth got injured. Evans plays. And then both are healthy. And Evans plays instead of Booth, which puts Booth back behind him on the depth chart. Again, this is all just recollection. Uh, Evans gets hurt. uh, Booth plays. Booth gets hurt. They're both out. And now we're at, like, I don't know. Benny Sapp. I like. I don't know who we're at at that point. <laughs> but but uh, Duke Shelley. Duke Shelley. Right. 
It's it's hard to remember because Duke Shelley clearly should have been starting the whole time. <laughs> the Duke. But, and but, also Cameron Dantzler existed sometimes. Oh yeah, Cameron Dantzler. That's yeah, that's who it is. All right, fact but, fact check Sammy coming in here. So a Caleb Evans actually saw the field in week one, like mop up duty, end of Packers game. Uh, Evans played in the first game. I don't know if Booth was healthy. He did not uh no. So Booth, no, this is what happened, guys. Oh, because he was hurt in the special team yeah. snaps. He got hurt on the second play on special yeah. teams in the Packer yeah, game. Yeah. Um, and then didn't play again until the Miami game. So that explains that. So that's why um so Evans was kind of thrown in. Booth was already hurt in the game. Evans got the snaps at the end. Fast forward though, Booth gets healthy. Evans is healthy. Evans plays against Washington. Yeah. 45 snaps yeah, in week that. eight. Yeah. He gets hurt against Buffalo. I think he plays some at Buffalo booth plays some at Buffalo. And that was, that was where, did they both get hurt? Cause that's where Duke Shelley emerged was Buffalo had the pass breakup in overtime. Mm, right. That's right. That was it. That was a, that was one of, mm-hmm. it turns out many Duke Shelley games. Yeah. Um, booth played all, a bunch of Shelley game. Yeah. And booth played a bunch of the Dallas game, but apparently played most of that game hurt according to his presser. I didn't realize Correct. he was 68 snaps days. in that game. In, um, in a, in an astonishing web we weave going down the rabbit hole of Andrew Booth injuries. Uh, <laughs> um, but I I would say, uh, I, I guess I disagree with Luke here. I think that, shocker, I think that um, Andrew Booth probably has the inside track to the job. I wouldn't use the 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 way that that first season played out as much of a template um and i think that the vikings had always kind of anticipated that year two would be you know when we'd get to see a lot of booth because cameron dancer was supposed to be starting out as a patrick peterson um and i th- and you know obviously we'll see how it kind of plays out uh in the in the ota rotation but um my assumption is that you know booth uh not only has like the the pick investment, but has like the upside that they like just in terms of, um, you know, overall athleticism, you know, Brian Flores is, is obviously he's a new defensive coordinator. So he gets to, you know, start everybody at, at square one. But I think that Booth probably has um, the inside track just because of overall kind of what, what his profile mm-hmm. is versus Evans. I think that Booth's think- track is, uh, and you're just one second, Bron. I think Booth's track is maybe a little clearer than, some assume because I think the assumption is that Evans had a great rookie year and that it was derailed is by is head that injuries. the assumption? I think that some people have that assumption, and I think it's just a little bit premature. Um yeah, Evans had 162 lot. snaps and Booth had 105. So it, it was not a substantial number more that Evans played yeah. than Booth. And in fact, PFF coverage grade, which is not gospel, but Booth actually had a better grade. Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, I really liked how Evans played a lot. But to me, it was always in the context of a fourth round rookie who did not get first team snaps in camp. Like I thought that given the circumstances, he played very well. Now, on an all given the circumstances team, Duke Shelley clears. Right. But <laughs> I think that I think that given the circumstances of Caleb Evans was very impressive. But to me, there was there was clearly a lot of meat left on the bone in terms of his level of play when he played, which I didn't want to dog him too much for because of those circumstances. And you know, maybe I should have because I think that we're coming away with an impression of his level of play that isn't really true to reality. Again, I don't want to dog him too much, but um, there was like a lot left there for for him to improve upon that you know 
wasn't always available. Whereas Andrew Booth, it's hard to like remember a hundred snaps, especially if 50 of them are injured, uh, 68, I guess of them are injured. Um, but, but I, I don't recall being disappointed with what I saw, which I think if, if both come away with eh, better than I thought, I'm going to probably go with the second round pick. It's interesting with these two. Cause I think the reason that they put Evans in over booth at times when both were healthy was kind of a readiness thing. Um, a Caleb Evans's play was a little more conservative. He would back off, give a lot of cushion things. We get caught in front of him, but that's okay. Cause you're not giving up the big play kind of thing. And Andrew Booth was very like, no seatbelts. We die like men, no cushion, just, you know, turn and run with the guy. If you get beat, you get beat. And it's a big, long thing. That's what happened a lot in the Cowboys game, which especially if he was injured playing that way, um, you know, that, that all kind of tracks, but I think as like on the long term of a development arc, I, if you're playing that more aggressive style, less cushion, um, you know, pushing things a little bit further before you turn your hips and bail, uh, that can become a much better cornerback if you get a much get a better sense for exactly how to time things out and when receivers are are coming at you and stuff like the the potential there is a lot higher. So I could certainly see it. I guess my my question becomes day one of camp. Like who do the Vikings put up? And then, and then you have them shake it all out and, you know, you go off of camp evaluations from there, but like day one of camp, do they do that? Or do they continue to say, okay, Andrew Booth, you're behind a Caleb Evans and you, and you have to overcome him. Maybe he does that in the first week, but you know, you got to do it just for the formality if nothing else. And, and the slate is probably super clean, right? Like there may not be any judgment either way. Like Flores coming in, changing everything up. Yeah. I, I, I could, I could see them rotating easily i could see it being one big carousel of blackman booth because i think blackman is in the mix like i don't think booth and evans have have absolutely distanced themselves to the point where they can't throw a rookie in the mix too like i think it is truly like a four-man competition to try to win those spots yeah no i I think so i think blackman has uh an immediate opportunity to, to win that job i would just say that um it seems as if Blackman's profile coming out requires a little bit of technical seasoning. Um, and so I would probably place him a little bit behind both of them, but they do both have or, or all three of them. Um, but they do all have to learn a new defense, right? They do have to learn the, the, the scheme specific techniques that they need to learn. Um, and so it is a little bit murkier in terms of projection about who's going to win what job. Um, mm-hmm. But I am just going to kind of default to, Hey, You've got, you've got a second round, second year player, a fourth round, second year player, and a third round, first year player. Probably that second, uh, that second year, second round player is is going to win the job. But I think that you're right that there is a lot of murkiness there, a lot of opportunity. I think for somebody like um, uh, Blackman to to win the job outright. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to start with the assumption that that Booth is is has uh like luke said the pole position um on the job but also that this is probably going to be um fairly well competed very wide Uh, open room yeah we're going to use the word murky a lot we touched on my guy andre carter the second on monday did you guys see the contract they gave him three hundred thousand dollars right the 140k signing bonus something like that Mm. yep and this is oh, virtually the only edge 
that they added in the entire draft or UDFA process. They didn't draft one and they didn't, they only signed Carter, um, which I don't know if that's a clue that they're pretty confident about Zadarius, confident about Daniil. That to me seems murky as well, but I do think they need they did to add have someone guys... from France. <laughs> they did the international Junior program. Got Aho. Yeah. I don't know anything about him. Roster exemption. Yeah. Let's break down the, uh, the French all 22. Um, I have a good international football story. I don't know if we have time to tell it right now, though. I'll save it for a rainy day. So let's end the show with this. Start the clock. It's time to execute the four-minute drill. I've now planted the name Andre Carter into your mind. And with that in mind, give me a sleeper (laughs) to make the Vikings 53-man roster. It can be anybody. Arif. Um, so a sleeper would probably not include fourth or fifth round picks, right? So let me do this really quickly. Um, I'm going to go with a seventh round pick. I'm going to go with Dwayne McBride. I talked him up on the show a bunch last week. I think that if Dalvin Cook is a post-June first cut, I think that that's entirely in the cards, and that leaves you room to have four running backs on the roster. That includes Debo. Uh, his uh, you know, contact balances. Yeah, that's his nickname, Dwayne McBride, Debo. Um, um, so his, uh, his, you know, capability as, uh, you know, uh, a goal line back as, as a power back, I think is not replicated very well on the roster. I know that we've seen Alexander Madison as that guy, uh, and he is closer to that guy than anyone else on the roster prior to, to having McBride, but he is not really a power back in the same sense. So, uh, I think that the Debo fills that role pretty well in a way that, that Madison doesn't Madison is more of a three down back that does not have breakaway speed. Um, and I think that having a committee that includes McBride, I think helps a lot. And I think the Vikings might even be on the verge or on the cusp of making a tough decision between Longwu and Chandler. Um, the Vikings brought in a lot of potential returners. And so um, they are not going to be tied to Wangwu. Um, and so I think that it's there's there's a lot of opportunity there for McBride. I think that he is just a wonderful player just in terms of being able to watch him. And I just saw a statistic tweeted out about um, how he's like number one uh, in the uh, in the FBS in uh, on non-perfectly blocked plays and number two in the FBS on perfectly blocked plays. Um, yeah. That's cool. I'm going to take that with me. I don't know if it projects to anything, but let's pretend it does. Braun. I'm going way deeper than that. I'm going with an undrafted free agent, and I'm not going to do the the Ivan Pace thing. All right, that's you too easy. I'm going yeah. Najee, Najee Thompson. Uh, the cornerback room, that back end of it is a little bit more open still. You have Murky. Byron Murphy. <laughs> yeah, Murky. Najee even. Thompson, Byron that guy? Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, a that is the Andrew 90th Bruce. player on the roster. <laughs> yep. What? The U.S. first yes. keeper, Sam. That this is the best I've ever this heard. This guy's thinking so deep. Let, he let, let me, yeah, let me let me lay this out, all right? So you you have a Caleb Evans, Booth, Murphy, <laughs> Makai Blackman, Jay Ward. Those five probably locks, right? That's five corners. Out of, out of, the, three UDFA, out of the three UDFA corners, I got to know why it's this one. Have because, you seen his hey, testing and his profile? Because I talked to him, listen to Lockdown Vikings podcast next week, and because he takes special teams so much more seriously. When you're going to be CB6, CB7, you have to make it 
on special teams and special teams is a pride of his. He's new to cornerback. He played wide receiver a bunch in college. He it's like barely a thing, but he takes it so seriously blocking kicks, playing special teams on, on multiple units and being that kind of guy that, that makes the team in that way. So that's the, that is my deep, deep, deep sleeper for the 53 man roster. And it's not like there's anybody, you know, after those first five, it's not like there's anybody on the, in that room that you're like, God, but we have to cut Jawan Williams. That's doable. I think for a guy that can be an asset everywhere on special teams, this is not a guy that's going to make it from scrimmage. CB six never makes it from scrimmage. Chris Boyd never made it from scrimmage. He made it because he was yeah. good at special teams. That's going to be where it's at. And, and Najee Thompson, he is so giddy about special teams. You got to listen to the interview. It's going to go up next week. That, that's went, cool that you got short it. shuttle was the exact same time as his 40. His, his, his testing, his math bomb, RAS, composite speed grade, poor. Composite agility grade, very poor. What a composite seven, four, explosion three, grade, very poor. His height is in the poor area. His weight is fine, and his bench was medium. He's built like a running back. I mean, whatever. <laughs> it's a it's a great hot take. I'm just blown away that that. I mean, and it sounds like you have some backing for it. And the Dan, if Dan Chisena can make a football team just for special there's teams, there's always and it, somebody. Marcus Sherrill's go back. Got a ten year career. Hey, got in from scrimmage like twice. <laughs> I I have covered a lot of players that have been excited about special teams, and it turns out they were not good at special teams. He doesn't exactly have a trait physically that you're that like Jacena, where you say, okay, he's not technically sound, but he sure is fast or he sure is strong. I mean, this guy profiles more as like the up returner on kickoff returns than he does the punt gunner. It's like it's a different class of special teams. Also, sure. And, up in class, and I'm going to say Georgia he's Southern. not. Yeah, he's not in this building as a corner or as a wide receiver. He's in this building as a possible special team. That right. is what gets him That's in an fair. NFL look at all. Yeah. So, yeah, pro- projecting him from scrimmage at all. It's like I, I think the Vikings already kind of know what they're they're looking at here. And it's just a matter of of getting it. I mean, look, man, I could have picked a draft pick, too, but I decided to make it a real. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah, um, I do. I, I'm coming. I, I'm respecting you, I guess, for going out on that limb, because I certainly would not. Uh, Tristan Jackson. This is going to be the guy that I think makes that second year leap. Someone that no one's thinking about. And I love Malik Knowles. Um, I like Jalen Naylor. No one's talking about Tristan Jackson. He's a little on the taller side. Um, you know, they've kind of, he's hung around. Not I just think last year. I just have a yeah, feeling. Yeah, no, he, he had a fun camp last year. Yeah. A lot of highs, a lot of lows. Uh, it was, he was very noticeable in camp. I will say that. Yeah. I, I remember he had a real shot going into the last preseason game. And then if I remember, he had a bad preseason game and that yeah, was about yeah. it. But he like, he could have balled out and actually like Chad Beebe'd this. Yeah, one of those guys that's always getting the ball because he's open, but you're not really confident he's going to catch it. <laughs> uh, Blake Prohl, too. He, uh, I think injuries might just have been too yeah, much like, was he, Is he going to make it this year? And I don't mean on the team. I just mean through camp. I Yeah, I just remember pre, pre his first injury, he was looking really good. Um, hottest take of the day goes to Luke Braun. That was insane. I am like, it's like the end of hot ones where they have the hottest sauce and they're like, yeah, Luke, Luke did the dab, right? Hiccuping. Yeah. yeah. The last dab. That was crazy. What a mic drop. Um, Arif Hassan, Luke Braun, the Minnesota football party. I'm Sam Ekstrom. 
Comment below your sleeper to make the Vikings 53-man roster. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota on YouTube. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts as well. Roundtable tomorrow with Ron Johnson, Reggie Wilson, and Luke Inman. Until then, saying so long on Locked On Sports Minnesota.